Hey guys, this is Anna. So before we get today, get on with the show today, let's hear from our sponsor. Hey everybody, this is the Ramblings of a Transgender Christian. I am your host, Anna Hudock. So today, definitely have a few things I uh, want to talk about, a few things that are on my mind. So we're going to get a few of them out of the way really quickly. And first, um, main thing being, uh, I would definitely would love to hear your feedback on my podcast. Um, Kind of want to know what it is that people actually enjoy listening to, what it is that they don't really want to hear, what it is that you want to hear more of, um, you know, stuff like that. You know, so if you have any, like, constructive criticism on the podcast, uh, I would love to hear it. Uh, all my contact information is in the show notes or YouTube description, uh, depending how, you, you know, depending whether you're watching this on YouTube or listening to this on my podcasting platform. So... You know, uh, there's that. Um, wanted to kind of mention that out of the way. Um, so yeah, would love to hear feedback. Another thing that I have been, uh, so I have been, there's something I have been kind of looking for for a while. Like, and you know this if you follow me on Twitter. Um, so I have been kind of looking for a good social media podcasting app. It's basically a podcast app uh, that also kind of functions like social media. You know, you create an account. And you can follow friends, you know, comments on uh, on podcasts, episodes, and stuff like that, you know. Um, I've experimented around with all of them, you know, Breaker, Good Pods. Um, there's been a few others. I can't think of them off the top of my head, uh, mainly, because none of them are really all that good. Um, they all got major problems, which prevent me from using them. I do have a pod, uh, I think it's called Podchaser. Yeah, I think it's Podchaser. I do have an account for, but it's not a podcasting app. It's just a website. And, you know, I try to I try to use it at least uh, a few times a month, you know. Go on there a few times a month. I'm trying to remember to put a link to it in, my, in the show notes, which means I'm probably not going to. Because uh, you know me, I, I never do. Um, but, yeah, you know. But, anyway, you know, I found a, um, one called a CastBox. <clears throat> Sorry, and if you hear me kind of keep like, clearing my throat and coughing in this episode, it's because like ever since I woke up this morning, I've been coughing and like clearing my throat like nonstop and sneezing. Like I think I'm kind of I think I'm coming down to something. I think I've got a cold, you know, which is uh, fun considering I already have a toe infection, which is pretty bad. So, yay! Did not need that. Definitely did not need that. But. I think I've got it. I think I'm sick, so. Sorry if you hear that throughout the episode, but I'm trying, I'm doing my best to not really do it, so. Um, but it's also, you know, yeah, so. It also, but it's high SOA, my voice sounds a bit weird, because, like, I am kind of speaking a bit weirdly right now, because, well, my throat. But anyway, um, you know, but CastBox, it seems like it's pretty much the same thing, you know, you kind of have an account. Um, you can comment on things and you can follow people. It's not quite as in-depth as a place like Good Pods or Breaker, but it's close enough for now until one of them get for shit together. Like, Breaker almost has it. Breaker is almost right there, but they have two major problems. Number one, every episode of every podcast you subscribe to downloads, yes, every single episode, every single show gets downloaded. And you cannot choose which episodes get downloaded and which don't. 
Every single episode's gonna get downloaded, whether you like it or not. There is no stopping it. At all. Yay! Um, Fat and they never update the app, like... Pretty much like twice a year, you know, like... It's so poorly updated. Like, there's a shit ton of bugs I'm reading, you know, in the uh, Google Play Store reviews. And people are like, dudes, there's a million one bugs. Fix this. But no, we haven't updated it since February, you know. Um, for, uh, it, the developers are off in La La Land doing whatever the fuck. So, we have developers who don't give a shit. And uh, just stupid ass design choices. Like, every single episode of every single podcast here, subscribe to downloading. Like, why? Why? Like, you can't choose what downloads, what doesn't. Like, why? So dumb. Um, you know. But yeah, you know, but yeah, so if you want to follow me, I'm going to attempt to remember to put my, a link to my CastBox profile in the description. Um, and of course, you know, you can listen to my show, Ramblings of a Transgender Christian, on CastBox. So, uh, yeah. Uh, it's what I'm doing for now, at least until they, some other app that's more, uh, that's like, focuses on the social media aspects, uh, gets her shit together. But anywho, uh, yeah, that's enough for now. Um, you know, before we, uh, get into, uh, uh, more, because we do have a few serious things I want to talk about today, uh, kind of want to talk about churches a little bit and just some of the things, uh, that are really out of touch about them, but I don't see anybody ever talking about. Um, you know, I want to talk about that. Uh, uh, and there's also this very interesting article from Politico, uh, which I think understates things uh, just a little bit, you know, because, you know, Politico is, you know, ro uh, civility politics royalty, unfortunately, and so they highly understate things to, to be civil, you know, um, which is fucking bullshit. Civility politics is a plague upon humanity. Um, it's fucking bullshit, seriously. Don't do civility politics, people. Please don't. Civility politics is dumb. But anyway, uh, Royalties Civility Politics Politico actually wrote an interesting article for the first time in forever about how the GOP is giving up on same-sex marriage. So, of course, we gotta talk about that, but, uh, you know, but before we get there, there's one more thing, you know. So, yesterday, I had the displeasure of finding out that now every single person in my family has watched through Avatar The Last Airbender, and they like it. Why? Why? Why does my family love Avatar? Why am I the only sane one in this whole fucking world who can see Avatar for what it really is? A mediocre at best show with poor storytelling, poorly paced, and just shitty character development. Like, that show is what you think good storytelling and good character development is when you're a kid and you've never actually seen good character development or good storytelling. Um, 
Like, honestly, I would not hate that show at all if it wasn't for the fucking fan base, you know? Avatar fans are a fucking cult. Uh, they worship that show like it's the greatest thing ever when it's really, in fact, the most mediocre thing ever. It's like, oh my goodness, isn't this so great? Aren't the characters so wonderful? Isn't the story so good? No, it's not. Grow up. Get over your motherfucking nostalgia. Like, literally. Like, literally the only reason people love that show is because of the fucking nostalgia. Like, even my parents, you know, they don't love the show. They just enjoy it. Um, it, you know, like, if people just enjoyed it, like, you know, like, uh, you know, it's cute. Which is mostly pretty much the position of my parents, you know. Um, which, okay, that's my mom, I think. My dad actually even actually likes it. He was looking up fan-made Avatar stuff last night. Which is cringe. Cringe, bro. Um, but, you know, it's just like, like, how? Like, this show is not good, people. Like, and the fucking fan base so bad. I like there's nothing on earth I hate more than the Avatar: The Last Airbender fan base. They are a. I'm sorry, but if you are part of that fan base, you are a plague upon the earth, and I am not apologizing for saying that. Like, just so toxic. Like they worship the show. Like it just drives me insane. Like nothing drives me up the wall faster than the Avatar: The Last Airbender fan base. Like I want to make this clear. I am on a holy war against the Avatar The Last Airbender fan, ba fan base. Literally the only reason I am kind of toning it down is because I now have friends in real life uh, who follow me on Twitter and I don't want to really piss them off and they are diehard Avatar fans, you know? So I kind of tone it down a little bit. Okay, a lot. I need to get back into this. I am on a fucking holy war to stick it in every Avatar fan's face. Like, I mean, th this is my thoughts for you. If you are, if you are somebody who thinks Avatar is great, fuck you. I'm sorry. It's this fucking awful show. Um, just okay. It's not fucking awful, but. <clears throat> I want it to be fucking awful because of you guys fucking worshipping that show to no fucking end for literally no good fucking reason. Like, it's... No, it's not that good. Get over your motherfucking selves. You know, like, even anime fans are not even that as bad as Avatar fans. Can we be honest about that? Like, anime, like I'd much rather deal with a motherfucking anime fan than an Avatar fan. And it's not even close. You know, and, and and the reason I refuse to get into anime is because of fucking anime fans. Okay, have you ever met a well-adjusted anime fan? No, exactly. That's my point. There's no such thing as a well-adjusted anime fan. We're all a, a bunch of fucking losers who fucking obsess over a fucking everything about her fucking anime. Like I don't understand why people get so fucking emotionally attached to fucking bullshit. You know, like. Like, people, like, nostalgia. Why do people experience nostalgia? You know, I am genuinely thankful I have literally never experienced nostalgia. I am pretty certain I am probably incapable of experiencing nostalgia at this point. Um, you know, like, I literally don't feel it. And you know what? After seeing how people treat everything, like, oh my goodness, this thing is so wonderful, you know, and get so emotionally attached over video games and movies and TV shows, like, I am so thankful I don't. I am so thankful that, you know, there's, I don't get emotionally attached to things, you know, to movies and TV shows. I am so thankful for that. Like, I can look back at my childhood and realize the video games I loved were fucking dog shit. 
okay? You know, I still enjoy playing them, you know, but for fucking dog shit. I, I'm not emotionally attached, you know? You know, it's like, whenever somebody, you know, criticizes, unless you're being an asshole about it, you know, if you're being an asshole about it, fuck you, you know, but you're just like, yeah, Crash Bash, and I got the game, man, let me explain why. Um, you know what? Good for you, you know, and you're completely correct. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Battle, um, 2 Battle Nexus. Really not that great of a game looking back, you know, but you're gonna find out, okay, cool. Unless you're being an asshole about it, then fuck you. Um, you know, but it's just like, I don't get, I, I don't get it. Well, just stop, stop experiencing nostalgia. It's just, mm. Why do people get so emotionally attached over fucking video games, movies, and TV shows and stuff like that? Like, why? For fun, I enjoy them, you know, I, I, I really enjoy, like, I, I'm really enjoying Xenoblade Chronicles 2 and my Switch right now, you know. Um, I really enjoy Psych, uh, I really enjoy Star Trek, you know. Uh, but I don't, like, I'm not emotionally attached to them by any means, but, like, people, like, it's, it's amazing to me that people actually get emotionally attached to them. If you make any small criticism of them, you get, like, all up in arms, it's just like, why? It's not that big of a deal. You know, and people just like fucking obsess over everything. Like, why? Why do you need to obsess over this? Like, why do you need to know every little fucking detail about that thing? Like, why do you need to own all the merch for it? Like, I don't really have like merch for like anything I love, you know? Like, and I guess I own like a Tron, one, like a Tron Pop Funko and a Tick Pop Funko, but. No, I do have a bunch of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle minifigures. I forgot about that. But, I mean, like... Even those I don't even have up. I should probably make find a place to put those up at some point. But, anyway. You know, it's just like... I don't get it. Like, if people make their whole personalities around these shows and around these movies. Like, you know, one of my sisters, you know... She adores Harry Potter, you know, she has, like, all this, she has a bunch of shirts and, like, merchandise and all this bullshit from Harry Potter. It's like, why? Why? I don't get it. I don't get it. Like, once I finish it, once I finish something, it's like, oh, that's cool. You know, and I move on to it, like, I don't get it. Why are people like this? Like, why? Why do people get so emotionally attached to these things? It's not good, people. It's not good for you to do so. I'm sorry. And honestly, like, this stuff is what makes me not want to be a fan base. Part of fan base is, like, like you know, I purposely ensure that, you know, when I get become a... If I start becoming a fan of something, I never interact with the fan base. Because I, cause I don't want it ruined for me. Because fans ruin fucking everything. You know, like, I'm never going to become a part of the Star Trek fan base. Like, I'm never going to go to a Star Trek fan forum or anything like that. Um, sorry that the, the picture is getting so blown out if you're watching on video right now. I am so sorry. Um, nothing I can do about it. I don't know what to do about that, so. Plus, it, the sun is literally shining straight on my face right now, so. Um, you know, so. Can't really do anything about that, sorry. Anyway, continuing on. <clears throat> You know, it's just like, I don't want to, because I know we're going to fucking ruin it. Because um, there's always some assholes who are way too emotionally involved. It's just like, 
you know, Crash Bandicoot, same thing. And she did Crash Bandicoot fan bases actually, from what I remember. I used to be somewhat involved in that. Not super involved, but I would say it's some involvement. It seemed pretty chill for the most part, actually, but uh, from what I remember, but you know. That was years ago, even before um, the Insane Trilogy came out. During the dark years. Um, you know. Crash Bandicoot, that's my favorite franchise of all time, by the way. I love Crash Bandicoot. Okay? I enjoy, I love Crash Bandicoot so much. Uh, I actually attempted to write fan fiction for it. No, I'm not joking. I actually attempted to write Crash Bandicoot fan fiction. That's how much I love Crash Bandicoot. And even then, I'm not saying love in the emotional way. Like, there's nothing that I'm emotionally attached to. It's just something I enjoy that much, you know? Um, but, like, I actually did attempt to write fan fiction, and I've never done that or would even think about doing that for any other franchise. Uh, nah, I'm a shitty writer, so it went nowhere. Um, you know, but, like, I attempted to because I love that franchise. Um, you know, but... Yeah, you know, so that, that so if you want a little uh, lore on me, there you go. I attempted to write Crash Bandicoot fan fiction because I love it so much. And, um, yeah, it's without a doubt by far and away my favorite franchise ever in anything. Um, like, if I were to go all out crazy and buy merchandise, like all the merchandise or something, it would be Crash, but I'm not going to, so... I don't want it that much, you know. Like, seriously, like, Crash Bandicoot is fucking awesome. If you've never played the games, do yourself a favor. Fucking awesome. Just not the Activision Blizzard ones, because, well, fuck Activision. Um, unfortunately. Which actually hurts me. That Activision, it turns out Activision Blizzard is a really, really, I mean, that they are a beyond shitty company. It treats for women and minorities with, uh, complete disdain, and, uh, they treat him so horribly that a woman literally committed suicide on a business trip because of how she was being treated, so. Yeah, I can't buy Crash Bandicoot anymore. Because Activision owns the IP, and I don't want to support them. Fuck you, Activision, for taking away <laughs> my favorite franchise ever. Fuck you. Um. But yeah, so, you know, uh, yeah, so, like, I don't get it, whatever. Anyway, moving on. Um, something I've been definitely thinking a lot about um, lately is, why do churches not do weekday services? No, like, legitimately. Why do churches not do weekday services? Like, a lot of people have to work on the weekends. Like, a lot, a lot, like. Probably most people have to work on the weekends these days. Like coming to coming to church on Sunday morning is very unfeasible for a whole lot of people, and yet churches insist on only meeting Sunday mornings. And if we're a mega church, maybe Saturday night. So it's like, why are there not weekday services? Like, legitimately, like. If you're a church, you're supposed to try to meet people where they are. You're not meeting people where they are. If church is strictly a Sunday or a 
Sunday and the Saturday night thing. A lot of people are working all weekend. Like, a lot of jobs is required. You work both Saturday and Sunday, and maybe even Friday. Um, you know, so it's like, those people might only be able to come on the weekdays. Like, you're leaving a whole lot of people out if you're only meeting on the weekends. Like, what's up with that? Like, seriously, like, why, like, there's a lot of people who genuinely cannot come to church on the weekends. Like, why are you leaving them out like that? Like, you could easily do weekday services. Sure, we're probably not going to be big by any means. But who fucking cares? The point is that you're preaching to people and, you know, giving them a community, you know, that they otherwise wouldn't have. I'm sorry, but there is no good reason why church is, you know, meets every Sunday from fucking every church these days and only pretty much only then. Because that's not, that's not who we are as a people anymore. We're not a people that, you know, gives people Sunday mornings off to go to church. Or as a culture and country that expects you to be working Sunday morning. So, like, churches need to change along with that. Churches need to be meeting on weekdays as well. Because you've got to change with the culture and meet people where they are. You're not doing that when you're only on Sunday mornings. Like, I know I would go on a weekday. You know, like, I would. Um, in fact, like, I actually hate going on Sunday mornings because, well... Because usually, because here's the thing, like, I try to make at least one day, like, a complete total day of rest where I do absolutely nothing, you know? But it's just, like, I'm not really doing that if I'm going to church on Sunday morning. Like, you know, just, like, because you gotta hurry up, get ready, you know, just, like, all that stuff. But, like, I mean, like, every church I've ever been a part of been, like, super active in, you know? Um, you know, so it's just, like, I'm always working in that day. It's, like, that's not really a day of rest, so it's just like, like, I would go on a weekday, but it's just like, you know, and plus like the jobs I'm looking at would require Sunday working. So like, I wouldn't be able to even go anyway, you know, so it's just like, why are there no churches that meet on the weekdays? It's stupid. I'm sorry. We need churches to meet on weekdays. We are a culture. We are a country that work, expects people to work on the weekends. Most people I know only get weekdays off. They don't get weekends off. You know? It's just like, please meet people where they are. You know? Like, a lot of people, Jay Wiley cannot come to church on Sundays. A lot of people, and, and there are some people, you know, if Sunday is one of two days they got off, they might be just using that day to chill out. You know, they don't want to go anywhere. And so a weekday would work better for them. Like, this is a major need 
in our culture and country, you know, where we are, that is not being met by the churches. Churches are just ignoring it. It's like, it's your job to not ignore this stuff. Like, it's just amazing to me how churches are just so fucking out of touch. And this is just another way that churches are so damn out of touch. Like, it's just insane to me. Um, like, why? Why? Like, this is such a big, obvious blind spot. It just... Churches just ignore it. Like, you're abandoning your calling. Whatevs. Whatevs. Churches have made for failure here in America, and that's not the only reason why. I mean, it's just another symptom of how the American church is failing Americans. Uh, I mean, the church is just so desperately out of touch, and this is just another example of why. <sighs> Anywho, let us move on to, uh, let me bring up the article. Darn it. Um, sorry. I'm trying to bring up this article. Um. Here we go. Alright, so this is from Politico. Um, oh, darn it. My computer. Okay, sorry. I am so sorry, guys. Anyway, um, so the article is, and of course you can find the article in the show notes. Um, the GOP lays white flag in same-sex... Oh my god, this is this picture is getting way too outblown. I am so sorry. Let me... Uh, Let me bring up the blinds a little bit so the picture's not so blown out. I look like an angel. Um, anyway, so sorry, guys. Anyway, uh, so the GOP waves white flag in same-sex marriage wars. Um, so it's written by Meredith McGraw. To mark the beginning of Pride Month this year, Republican National Committee Chair Ronna McDaniel did what party leaders do on these type of occasions. She sent out a tweet. Happy hashtag Pride Month, she wrote. At, double, at GOP is proud to have doubled our LGBTQ support over the last four years. And we will continue to grow our big tent by supporting measures that promote fairness and balance protections for LGBTQ Americans and those with uh, deeply held religious beliefs. Oh, isn't that nice? Uh, in other words, did the religious people get to continue discriminating as LGBT people? Isn't that beautiful? Um, I, my heart feels warmed at that. Anyway, continuing on. Inside the RNC, the, the missive barely registered. McDaniel, after all, had sent out a similar message in past years. But outside the building, those 265 characters prompted immediate backlash. Not just from Democrats who accused her of disingenuousness. Yeah, obviously. Uh, but from social conservatives, too, who furiously dialed up McDaniel with complaints. Tony Perkins, later the Family Research Council, lambasted her in an escaping blog post and even encouraged people to not donate to the RNC. But the attacks, particularly from the evangelical right, were met with a shrug by the party. 
Yeah, because here's the thing. A lot of these politicians, you know, like McDaniels or just, you know, even like people like Ted Cruz, they're smarter than the voters. Like, Ted Cruz is not a fucking dumbass, okay? Rand Paul is not a fucking dumbass, you know? <laughs> they're actually pretty smart and, and people. They just play stupid because that's what they know the base wants them. Like, it's literally just a actor. Like, for them, politics is a stage show, okay? Uh, politics is just, you know, a soap opera. And for just characters in it, you, 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 you play a character. That's how this works. And that's how it works for almost every politician on both sides. You know, politics is a show. It's a, it's a soap opera. You know, where on screen you all hate each other, but in reality you're going out, hanging out, you know, you're eating dinner with each other every fucking night, you know, um, and you're texting buddies, you know, you're probably pen pals, you know, you're sitting there listening to each other's problems and, you know, stroking for hair, you know, like, okay, like, they don't, they, like, none of these assholes actually hate each other, you know, like, for all actually quite intelligent, for the most part, I mean, don't get me wrong, there are some genuinely fucking stupid um, Congress people and senators, okay? Like, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lohan Boebert. For fucking dumb. Those two people are dumb as fuck. But, like, Ted Cruz, you know, and Mitch McConnell, like, they know what they're doing. Politics is just a show for them. You know? Like... <laughs> so it's just like, you know, like... So the reason why the RNC is chasing after the LGBT movement is because they know that it's over with, you know? The majority of people support at least gay marriage, you know? Like, they don't give a shit, you know? If we're going to, they just want voters, you know, they just want money. So if we're going to pander after the LGBT movement, that is gay men, that is, let's be honest, um, uh, let's be honest, that's really the only people who are really trying to pander to white gay men, um, uh, because, well, it's, that's what's politically advantageous to them. Uh, you know, so it's just like, I mean, what are the evangelicals going to do? Stop voting for them? Yeah, no, that's ridiculous. We're going to, you know. Now, don't get me wrong. The RNC is going to go straight after trans people. You know, don't get me wrong. They hate trans people. And the article is going to talk about that. But at least when it comes to gay marriage, the RNC is pretty much giving up on that. Like, we lost. It's politically advantageous for us to support it. So... You know, even people like Ted Cruz are going to, you know, feign outrage over it. He's only doing it for the base. Like, Ted Cruz, I guarantee you, you know, his political will is not in supporting and going against same-sex marriage. Like, if he like if he had the choice, like, there's no way he would do it because it would be the political suicide. You know, if he had the choice, chance to actually go after same-sex marriage, you know, and try to repeal it. He never would. He would never make a serious effort on doing it because it'd be politically death, political death to him. Uh, like, there's no way he could get away with it. You know, he doesn't actually, he has no actual principles. Okay? He doesn't believe in anything, really. Um, he, he's, a, he's a spineless politician who just basically gives in to the crowd uh, for show. You know? Now, don't get me wrong, people like Lauren Bober and Marjorie Taylor Greene, oh yeah, they go after it, easily. They don't give a shit, you know? They do have political principles. People like fucking Rand Paul, are you kidding me? They have none. They have absolutely no political principles at all. Um, 
for just actors on a daytime soap opera. That's all. That's all this is, you know. And you know, it's just you know, and like you know, the major networks like Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, for just different sides of the soap opera, you know, for just you know, like add-ons, you know, for uh, it's just you know what it's just whatever you know, like favorite you know daytime soap magazine you enjoy reading, except you know television, you know. That's how this all works. Anyway, continuing on. McDaniel's willingness to brush aside complaints would have been unthinkable not too long ago, Republicans say. The evangelical right remains the most committed part of the party, and the Family Research Council, Council leader is among its most powerful figures. But the GOP has, in recent years, undergone a quiet but consequential revolution. Party leaders still exhibit strong opposition to transgender rights and the top legislative priorities of the LGBT community. Yeah, see, top legislative priorities of the LGBTQ community. These people don't give a shit about the LGBT community. It's just that they're trying to shamelessly pander for in desperate hopes for relevancy. But you don't care about the LGBT community at all. You know, like if they if they were able to, they would get where they the rights, LGBT rights, understand. Uh, the only reason they don't is because it's not politically advantageous to it. Like Ted Cruz, like the only reason Ted Cruz is not going to make a serious effort to end LGBT rights, you know, ban same-sex marriage, you know, if he was able to, is because it's politically disadvantageous to him. But like he would absolutely do it, you know, in a perfect world if. You know, America wasn't in favor of same-sex marriage so overwhelmingly, you know? Like, he would do it, but the reason he's not is because, well, it's politically disadvantageous to, for him to do it. And at the end of the day, he has no fucking principles. It's just go along. You know, you do whatever it takes to get voted in again and, you know, make shit tons of money. Uh, but on the most prominent, and I can see it on the article, but on the most prominent battlefield of the past few decades, same-sex marriage, they've all but conceded defeat. In, in interviews with Republican operatives, um, former Trump administration officials and conservative leaders, there is widespread acceptance that debate over marriage equality is settled. There is no serious discussion about or trying to overturn Obergefell re Hodges, the landmark Supreme Court uh, case that ruled states are required to, by law, to recognize the marriage of same-sex couples. There, there were openly gay officials working at the highest levels of the Trump administration. And in Congress, the gay rights movement has found allies in up-and-coming Republican stars like Republican Dan Crenshaw, Republican from Texas, Republican Elise Stefanik, Republican from New York, and Republican Young Kim from uh, California. There's Republican support for LGBTQ issues. There's more energy in LGOP for help uh, for gay and transgender issues and a lot of the issues Biden cares about, said Tyler Deaton, a Republican consultant and senior advisor to the American Unity Fund, which works to advance LGBTQ rights. Yeah, I mean, once again, because it's politically advantageous for him to do so. Once again, though, understand, this is just pandering. The GOP understands they're losing relevance. They are a dying party. And so what do they need to do? They need to pander to LGBT people without actually supporting them. They're going to pander 
um, you know, by, you know, saying, yeah, we won't overturn same-sex marriage, you know, but we're not going to support any of our uh, issues, you know, for, that's literally, we will literally not support a single other thing, which this article's already mentioned. We don't give a shit about any of our other top legislative priorities, and they, and they still have a major fuck you attitude towards trans people. So understand, this is strictly political, because we're because we are desperately grasping for any relevance whatsoever in a quickly dying off party. Literally, you know. It's overwhelmingly old. It's overwhelmingly rich. You know. Um, it's white. Overwhelmingly white. And, you know, <laughs> um, it's Republicans who are catching COVID and dying from it. You know. Like, it's not sustainable. They have to, you know, at least give some lip service to the LGBT community without actually supporting the LGBT community. You know? So, people, please don't fall for this, is what I'm saying. Um, the Republican Party was a late arrival to this point. While much of the country grew to accept same-sex marriage while in advance of the Supreme Court recognizing it in 2013, GOP voters didn't. A Gallup poll from 2014 showed only 30% of Republican voters in support. There have been moments over the past 20 years, however, when prominent conservatives warned Republican Party leaders they were dramatically out of step with the public as a whole on the issue. Ken Melaman, who managed George W. Bush's 2004 presidential run, apologized for the anti-same-sex marriage rhetoric of that campaign and for his role in fighting marriage equality while announcing that he was gay. One of the founding members of the Federal Society, conservative attorney Ted Olson, joined forces with Ted Boys, a Democratic attorney, to overturn Proposition 8, California's ban on same-sex marriage. Hedge fund billionaire and Republican donors Paul Singer quietly donated to pro-gay rights causes and formed the American Unity PAC and the American Unity Fund, which fights for LGBTQ and religious freedom. And vi former Vice President Dick Cheney was famously at odds with President Bush over same-sex marriage and became a supporter of the movement. His daughter, Mary Cheney, has been married to her wife since 2012. Yeah, and, and yeah, um, the real breakthrough, you know, and recognize that the majority of people who are doing this, you know, are either, you know, incredibly smart and intelligent uh, Republicans who recognize that to continue uh, Republican causes, they have to support gay causes uh, because they want to protect their own wealth. Uh, because they know that Republicans are just, you know, rich shells, you know. Uh, we're not going to do anything to, uh, to to make rich lives any um, hard, you know. Or, you know, they have personal stake in the game. And we're also fucking rich. Because understand, every single one of these fuckers are fucking rich. And if you're rich, who do you support? You support Republicans. And so, you know, if you're rich, you know, and your whole identity is, I'm rich, well, of course you went to Republicans to support LGBT rights, or at least that is this, your rights. You know, you don't give a shit about any of the other LGBT people. You know, you just went, you know, to be at least someone accepted in that movement just so that, you know, you can protect your own wealth. Or, you know, you're a wealthy and intelligent person who doesn't have a stake in the game, but you want to save the Republican Party from itself um, so that you can save your own wealth because you don't want the left um, having any power. So do, so then, well, I guess what? you're paying taxes and you're sharing that wealth. Um, so understand what's going on here.
this is not any true acceptance. This is just literally save my wealth. That's all that's going on here. That's that whole paragraph of, you know, people who's been supporting supportive of it in the last 20 years. It's just, you know, save my wealth, please. Anyway, continuing on with the article. The real breakthrough, say, of gay Republican operatives, say, come with the nomination of Donald Trump. Though evangelicals flock to his candidacy, conservative gay rights activists also saw an opportunity. A cosmopolitan-minded business person, Trump did not prioritize LGBTQ issues during his campaign and, in fact, made overt appeals to gay voters, though not, ple- though not by pledging support for laws to protect them. Um, for the first time, we got to walk into the race with a candidate we didn't have to apologize for or explain away his reluctance to embrace a gay community. Really? Really? That's interesting. Because he was not that supportive from what I remember. Um, oh, wait, I forgot. He was supportive of rich white gay men. Oh, yeah, I remember now. That's who he supported. He was very supportive of rich white gay men. You know, uh, and, you know, the right to be married and literally nothing else. But I forgot. Conservatives, that's all that matters to them. When it comes to LGBT rights, never mind. Silly me. Continuing on. Probably Reagan was the last candidate where we were like, this candidate has gay friends, said Charles Morin, spokesperson for the Log Cabin Republicans, a LGBTQ GOP group. Oh, you mean fucking traitors to uh, the LGBT community. Um, people who are embarrassments to the community, a plague upon the LGBT community. Okay, yeah, sure. Um, anyway, continue on. He worked closely with the Trump campaign on increasing LGBTQ engagement. Uh, by the way, which we means by that means rich gay men because the log cabin Republicans hate trans people. Um, and uh, and, and uh, black, you know, and, and uh, people of color, LGBT movements. Okay, but if you're a person of color in LGBT, they hate you. If you're trans, they hate you. Okay, the luck happened Republicans, when they say LGBTQ GOP group, what they mean is rich white gay men GOP group. Okay, and when they say that they're trying to increase LGBT engagement with Trump, what they mean is rich white gay men. Because for official stance, the law happened Republicans is that trans is bad and is basically pedophilia. And that uh, people of color who are LGBT, well, they can go get fucked. Um, like, they have no respect for you. So, understand what they mean by that. When they say, work closely, Trump campaign on increasing LGBT engagement, it's strictly what we're, all we're talking about is rich white gay men. Literally nobody else. Continuing on with the article. And log cabin Republicans plan to hold for uh, annual event this year at Mar-a-Lago with a member of the Trump family, perhaps the former president himself, likely to be the headliner. At the GOP convention in 2016, Trump became the first Republican to mention protecting the rights of LGBTQ citizens. Um, and in a post-election interview with 60 Minutes echoed what was becoming the mainstream view on sex marriage. It's law. It was settled in the Supreme Court. I mean, it's done, Trump said. A Gallup poll released earlier this year showed that by June 2021, 55% of Republicans supported same-sex marriage. 
gay rights activists and Republicans, from my knowledge, there's much work to be done in the GOP. For now, the official Republican Party platform unchanged since 2016 includes language defining marriage as being between a man and a woman and gives what is say some say is a nod to the controversial practice of gay conversion therapy. Gay rights advocates in the party said Republicans missed an opportunity to change the platform's text in 2020. Had the platform committee convened, a group of Republicans planned to ensure specific changes related to LGBTQ rights were amended. And what I mean by that was certainly that gay marriage would be protected. Literally just that. Nothing else. Um, you know, but... Um, there's an appetite to change it, but people actually have to get on the platform community to, to do it. Not enough people know how the process works, said one Republican official. Otherwise, the far-right people get on and people are like, well, what did, why does the platform say that? There will be concerted effort the next time in 2024. A more vamped up effort of what was going to happen in 2020. Dean said his group, the American Unity Fund, will continue to advocate for changes to the GOP platform. We brought a lot of attention to the weaknesses of the platform, the mean-spirited language of the platform, and it doesn't reflect the party. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry about that. Uh, don't know what got, it got into me. It just... Hmm. It reflects a few dozen people who show up at the convention and try to run the platform committee. And we're not going to let him do that forever, Deaton said. While Trump may have ushered in a wave of acceptance among conservatives for the cause of same-sex marriage, his actual record on LGBTQ issues was mixed at best. Boy, is that understating it, Politico. Boy, is it understating your civility politics is really showing right now. Um, his administration committed to ending the HIV-AIDS epidemic within 10 years and pushed to decriminalize homosexuality abroad. Trump mentioned his position in a speech to the United Nations, something President Barack Obama had done before. Donald Trump's embrace of people who are LGBT truly did make it okay to be an out gay Republican, said former White House Deputy Press Secretary Judd Dare. As president, he hired and promoted LGBT Americans to the highest levels of government, including positions at the White House, of which I was honored to be one of those people, cabinet agencies, including the first openly gay cabinet member, and ambassadorships. But Trump also opposed the Equality Act, which would amend the Civil Rights Act of 1964 to prohibit anti-LGBT, oops, scroll down a little too much, I'm sorry, anti-LGBTQ and sex discrimination in public accommodations to federal programs. Appointed judges deemed hostile to LGBTQ issues. Yeah, gee, really, can't see why. Amy Coney Bear, anyone? Will back protections in the workplace for non-binary workers and push for a removal of LGBTQ people in healthcare programs. Ah yes, but what a great LGBT advocate he was. Mm. Oh yeah, remember when he literally tried to erase trans people from scientific and medical language? Remember what remember when that happened? Back like in 2018, I believe it was, when he literally tried to remove transgender from uh uh scientific and medical use uh, the language, you know? Trying to remove that term. Yeah, remember, remember when he did that? But yeah, you know, a great LGBT warrior and advocate he was, you know? LGBT community should really, should really bend all in on Trump, you know? Um, you know? Don't you just love that GOP, you know? So supportive of same-sex marriage, but hate, you know, don't want the Equality Act. Um, and want to discriminate against LGBT people in healthcare, and employment and public accommodate and 
you know, public housing, you know, all that stuff, you know, but great supporters of the LGBTQ movement, they are. Totally. K.V. Safradini, the CEO and National Campaign Director for Freedom for All Americans, a bipartisan campaign for LGBTQ non-discrimination protections, said his organization sees the potential for Republican senators to support the Equality Act and has been encouraged by LGBTQ protections in the Republican-backed Fairness for All Act, which works to protect religious freedoms and LGBT rights. In other words, understand what that means is Religious people get to discriminate against LGBT people in all situations for any reason whatsoever. And LGBT people, uh, uh, what, let's see, uh, LGBT people get, uh, um, uh, hmm. Oh, yeah, lip service. That's it. There we go. There we go. Yep, lip service. That's it. Continuing on. It's clear where the country is on this issue and where it is headed on this issue, Sefredini said. But on transgender rights issues, in particular, fierce opposition within GOP ranks persists. The Trump-era Education Department eliminated guidance that sought to extend protections around the treatment of transgender students. And Trump himself issued an executive order via tweet prohibiting transgender individuals from serving in the military, a move later overturned by President Joe Biden. Potential 2024 candidates like Nikki Haley and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis have uh, backed laws that would ban transgender athletes from participating in sports consistent with gender identity. And while McDaniel has hailed Pride Month, she's also slammed at Biden's administration's use of, use of the term birthing person instead of mother. Um, ah, yes, because, you know, all people who give birth are moms, obviously. Um, big brain McDaniel has there. According to the, and, and also understand, like, this bitch has the audacity to tweet Happy Pride Month. And yet she hates trans people. Yeah, guess what? Pride Month is for everybody in the LGBT community. You don't get to pick and choose. Like, you don't get to say that unless you support everyone in the community. So, shut the fuck up, McDaniel. Um, continuing on. According to a human rights campaign, the nation's largest LGBTQ active advocacy group, 2021 was a record year for anti-transgender legislation with dozens of laws introduced in Republican legislatures across the country, placing restrictions on uh, transgender people. Perhaps the best illustration of the GOP's evolution on LGBTQ issues and the crossroads it now finds itself has come in the form of Caitlyn Jenner's run for California governor as part of the recall election of Gavin Newsom. Jenner, who came out as a transgender, uh, oh, sorry, Jenner came out as transgender six years ago, she said she opposes biological boys who are trans competing in girl sports in school. Piece of shit, fucking traitor to the community. She's an Aunt Blair, let's be honest. Um, even as she has tried to be a kind of ambassador for transgender people in the Republican Party. No, she's an advocate, advocate for rich people who just happen to be trans. Okay, and nobody else. She's not an advocate for the trans community. She's a fucking piece of shit um, who has betrayed the community time and time again. Um, one Trump advisor, former campaign manager Brad Parscale, is working for her. Another, Trump's former election lawyer Jenna Alice, has publicly criticized her for being transgender. 
I think even with Christians, the gay marriage issue, that ship has sailed. No, it hasn't. No, it hasn't. What the fuck are you talking about? Christians still hate gay people and same-sex marriage. What the fuck are you talking about? That's bullshit. Like, no. No. This, this guy is a fucking retard. Uh, <laughs> but the trans issue is different, said one tra Trump advisor. So yeah, that Trump advisor is woefully removed from reality. Anywho, so yeah, we got that, so yeah, there's that article, um, so yeah, this has been going on for a decent long time, so I think it's probably about time to end the show, um, so of course, like always, we're going to end it, uh, with a Good News article, and as usual, uh, it's from Good News Network, and of course, you can find a link to it in the show notes or YouTube description, and the, uh, title is, uh, New Zealand is hearing the Kiwi call once again after five years of silence. It's amazing. In the latest audio survey of Kiwi burdock populations on New Zealand's North Island, many areas that were silent in 2016 now have airways filled to bursting with Kiwi calls. The male's high street contrasts with the female's low growl. But regardless of which sound it was, the early mornings in December, when the last survey was made, were filled with the stifled cries of joy from 150 bird, uh, volunteer bird conservationists. The manual population survey called the Kiwi Call Count used the human ear to record population numbers of the nation's five kiwi species to assess the bird status of the birds in a given area. The same sites are used every year in 2021 saw a 50% increase in the number of sites in which calls were heard, while not one site had become silent over the last year. A complex Kiwi Saving Action Plan to combat invasive species was implemented to protect the national bird in the early 90s. Stoats, dogs, feral cats, and other introduced mammals have flourished on the easily caught Kiwi chicks, a species that evolved with no native mammalian predators. To sit out there and hear how many Kiwi there are and how close they are, it makes the effort into putting, to put into trapping worthwhile. Ayla Wiles, a biodiversity ranger for the Department of Conservation, told The Guardian. <clears throat> this trapping has become largely, hugely successful. And in 2017, two key species of kiwi, the northern brown and the rawi, waddled off the endangered designation on the IUCN's red list. Wiles told reporters that some areas are seeing more of a sprint than a waddle. A place called... I am going to butcher this so badly... One, one Gary, one Gary, we're going to go back, one Gary heads, has gone from having 80 Kiwi to more than 1,000 since the program began. As a nocturnal bird, the call of the Kiwi is the most reliable way to track the animals. The calls are easy to discern in the darkness and even have a unique characteristics that allow conservationists to recognize the bird, same birds year after year. You can be trapping, you know, week after week, in the hope that your kiwi are doing well. Nagar Sullivan, an organizer at Kiwi Coast. And then for four nights a year, and for just those eight hours, you sit there and go to hear your outcome. So yeah, it's, it's beautiful whenever you hear a uh, endangered species become well, not so endangered anymore. Um, it's really just beautiful to see, so. Anywho, that is everything I got for this episode. Uh, thank you all for listening. 
Um, and I uh, hope you all have a wonderful day. Peace.